we calculate that every 1% reduction in our selling price relative to the competition will bring back 100,000 manufacturing jobs. Welcome to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast, where we explore the strategies and experiences that are driving mid-sized manufacturers forward. Here, you'll discover new insights from passionate manufacturing leaders who have compelling stories to share about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from B2B sales and marketing experts about how to apply actionable business development strategies inside your business. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla76. When you hear the word reshoring, what comes to mind? Most people will immediately think about the jobs that will be created domestically, but the trickle-down impact of those jobs goes much deeper, both for our economy as a whole and for the individual companies that make it tick. In today's conversation, we'll explore this topic of reshoring with someone who's arguably had more influence than anyone in recent years in the effort to bring manufacturing back home. Harry Moser is founder of the Reshoring Initiative, an organization whose mission is to bring 5 million manufacturing jobs back to the U.S. Previously, Harry served as president of high-end machine tool supplier, GF Agi Sharmi, starting as president in 1985 and retiring in 2010 as chairman emeritus. Largely due to the success of the reshoring initiative, Harry was inducted into the Industry Week Manufacturing Hall of Fame in 2010. He was named Quality Magazine's 2012 Quality Professional of the Year, as well as Fab Shop Magazine's Manufacturing Person of the Year. Harry participated actively in President Obama's 2012 insourcing forum at the White House, won the Economist debate on outsourcing and offshoring, received the Manufacturing Leadership Council's Industry Advocacy Award in 2014, and the Made in America 2019 Reshoring Award. Harry was recognized by Sue Helper, then Commerce Department Chief Economist, as the driving force in founding the reshoring trend and named to the Commerce Department Investment Advisory Council in August 2019. Harry is frequently quoted in the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Forbes, Financial Times, New Yorker, Washington Post, and USA Today, and seen on Fox Business, Market Watch, PRI, NPR, Manufacturing Talk Radio, and other national TV and radio programs. Harry graduated with a BS in Mechanical Engineering and an MS in Engineering from MIT, and followed that up with an MBA from the University of Chicago. Harry, that resume is no joke. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Joe. It's an honor to be here. Well, now that hopefully we have some enough time left for the interview here, after I have read through all your achievements, it's it's pretty pretty impressive, and I'm excited to to get into this and unpack some of what's stored up there in your brain from all these experiences. So. Well, Harry, I was wondering if you could just kick things off by telling us a little bit more about what exactly the Reshoring Initiative is and why you founded it. Yeah, well, as you mentioned, our, our mission is to bring 5 million manufacturing jobs to the U.S. And we pick 5 million because that's the number of jobs it would take to balance the trade deficit to make imports equal to exports. 5 million, about a 40% increase in manufacturing. And, and we do that by a combination of 
documenting the trend so that people can see how well it has done. Now, for example, when we started in 2010, in that year, 6,000 jobs were announced going back. And in 2017, 190,000 were announced going back. So it had gone up 30 times, partially because of us, but not entirely. And and then it fell off somewhat after that. So we, do, we document the trend because the best way to get a company C to, to decide to reevaluate its offshoring is to see that companies A and B have reshored successfully. And if, well, if it worked for them, maybe, maybe we should try it. So we document and then we promote. Being with you today is promotion. I'll do 70 or 80 of these this year, podcasts, webinars, et cetera. You know, we write an article a week. We, you know, we're, we're, we're very visible. We create, make reshoring visible and then we enable. So we have tools to help companies make the decision to reshore on their own or to convince their customers to reshore and buy from them instead of importing. So we're sort of a think tank and an advocacy group, but we're also out in the trenches actually getting it done. That's fantastic. Harry, from your perspective, why is it so important to bring manufacturing jobs back to the US? I I think other people have a similar perspective. I I hope they do. I think they increasingly do. But again, to to, to bring the 5 million jobs back to balance the trade deficit, a 40% increase in manufacturing. Imagine all, all the companies listening, imagine if your business was 40% better, right? I mean, and of course, there has to be enough workers, you know, equipment and so on. But 40% more for everybody would be wonderful. Self-sufficiency for the country. We, we, we've been through this issue with COVID, if we don't make the masks and the gowns and the gloves and the ventilators and the penicillin, you know, we've, we've decided that doesn't make any sense for, for the world's lead, leading country. And, and we see the same issues in rare earth minerals, a, defense, a lot of defense material now in clothing. 97% of our clothing is imported, the 5G, all kinds of stuff that we're dependent on imports. Income equality, if you ask the youth, you say, what's important? A lot of them would say income inequality, that it's been unfair that some people don't make enough to live on. And the best solution for them would be a good manufacturing job with career opportunity, career advancement opportunities, apprenticeship programs, et cetera. The environment, most everybody cares about the environment. When you shift manufacturing back to the US, depending on the product, the CO2 emissions are cut by... 25%, 25%, 30%, something like that. Not bad. Defense preparedness. If we, if we want to be able to protect our country and we sort of protect a lot of the world, you need to be able to make the material for that. Budget deficits. We've seen now we've got multi-trillion dollar budget deficits going on almost indefinitely. And by bringing manufacturing back, having those 5 million jobs and the multiplier effect jobs, the companies will be paying taxes, the people will be paying taxes, less unemployment and, and, and uh, safety net expenditures, budget deficits come down. The, the U.S. will be more financially stable. So the, you know, nice emotional reasons, nice practical economic reasons. That's great. A lot, I mean, it's so many great things there. It's, it's a simplistic question, I guess, that I asked you, but probably things that people aren't necessarily, you know, thinking about in their totality of how many benefits are bringing these jobs back home. Uh, Harry, I know you developed a 
really nice TCO tool, or which is short for total cost of ownership, of course, a calculator to compare offshoring to domestic manufacturing options. And I was wondering if you could just talk about the concept of TCO in this context and what impact that tool has had for manufacturers who have put it to use. Yeah. But TCO is essentially the concept of uh, looking at all of the relevant costs and risks. Like when you buy a refrigerator, well, one might be cheaper, but if it uses three times as much electricity over a 10-year life, it's not as good a deal. So, so essentially, we're saying the same, making the same kind of logic for uh, when you're buying a casting or a machine part or, or a complete product of some kind, offshore versus domestic, to comp- too many companies. We survey says about 60, 60% look only at the wage rate, only at the, the X-Works or FOB price leaving the factory, comparing that. And, and that's often 20, 30% less offshore, especially China, India, places like that. But when you add in the, the, the duty and the freight and the carrying cost of inventory, the, the travel costs, the intellectual property risk, the, the benefit of having engineering near manufacturing, able to discuss things in the same language in the same time zone to get together physically and, and work on the problem. When you reduce the chance of stocking out, of not having the product when the customer wants to buy it. So adding in about 29 different factors like that on top of the, of the price, you get to a different, often get to a different conclusion. And are there examples you have of, that you could cite of just, you know, things you've heard from, from manufacturing people of how impactful this has been for them to put this tool to use? Sure. Uh, I, a lot of people talk about generalities that they've done. That I heard somebody uh, from Generac, the chief operating officer, talking about it. I don't know if he was using our tool, but he just talked about using TCO and bringing some work back. So the, the, the case where we were involved, one, one case where we were involved was Mori, M-O-R-E-Y Corp, uh, outside of Chicago. They're a large EMS company. They populate circuit boards, make some devices, use assemblies using those circuit boards. And the the VP of sales came to me maybe four years ago. He said, Harry, we're, we're going to lose this big order. Can you help us? I said, what's going on? He said, China, a Chinese competitor offered a lower price. Customers probably going to do it. So I helped Tony do the TCO calculation. He, he took it to the customer uh, and, and he did it from the customer's perspective, showed the customer that even though Maury's price was higher, its total cost to the customer would be lower. And I got a letter from, from Tony saying that was the key to winning a 60, that's six zero million dollar order. You know, so for the, the people out there that are, that are listening, if if you're or sometimes competing with imports, or if you if you know if you have customers that you deal with or companies you deal with and you know they're buying offshore and you're not getting a chance, then using TCO to 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 show them the reality, to let them see that. 10, 20, 30% might not be enough price difference offshore. Come to our website. The TCO estimator is free to use. You you sign up, you sign in, you know, email and password. We don't even ask you your name. We don't ask your company name, you know, so because we want to protect your information. But it's there to use uh, both for buying, we say for buying smarter and for selling smarter. 
Yeah, it's, it's a really great tool. I have a, a client of mine who was actually recently on the show who got into this concept of using TCO in the sales process. But you know, when you have numbers like this that can put you know, it can put all this into context. It just makes it makes it so much more clear, you know, what what you need to do or what what your options are. So I love that you've you've got a tool. I'd encourage anybody listening here to go go check that out if you're kind of, you know, thinking about these the cost differences here between offshoring and and you know doing it domestically. So you know, doing it or or buying it. You know, it's, it's both for making the decision about what do I make in my my factory here versus my factory there? And what do I buy from somebody there versus buy from somebody here? So Harry, I am no economist and this is not, not my area of expertise by any means, but you, know, you, you kind of touched briefly a few minutes ago on you know, the trade deficit issue that, that we're facing here. And I'm just kind of curious if you can dive a little deeper into that one and talk about you know, the role that reshoring can play in alleviating this sort of compounding issue we've got. Okay. I think it's important to, to first understand why we have a trade deficit, because you can't fix something until you know, <laughs> know what it is. And the, the trade deficit is the difference between our imports and our exports. So for the last several years, we've imported 800 or 900 billion, that's with a B, billion dollars more than we've exported. And, and, and the overwhelmingly obvious reason why that happens is cost or price differential that the U.S. manufacturing cost, you know, the the FOB or Xworks price is too often, not all the time, but too often, 20%, 15, 20% higher than Western Europe and 40% higher than China. And maybe even more for Vietnam, Cambodia, and so on. So, so that, and that, so that price, that's what drives, people didn't go, to buy from China to put a made in China label on it. They went to, and and twenty years, thirty years ago, you could get everything here in the U.S. you wanted, and therefore they didn't go because you couldn't get it here. They went for the price, and the and that's then the question is, well, why why is there such a price differential? A couple of things, I think probably most simplest is the U.S. dollar. U.S. dollar, almost every economist agrees, is twenty to thirty percent higher than it should be. And why is it higher? We're the reserve currency. You know, individuals, companies, countries that have excess assets, excess cash, they, they put it in dollars in the United States, which say so buy dollars, forces up the dollar, makes the U.S. a great place to be a bank, but not such a good place to have a factory. Right? So, so in, in effect, if we weren't the reserve currency and that, and that premium came out of the dollar, uh, our prices, you know, relative to the other countries, would come down by fifteen percent, twenty percent, something like that. So it's a substantial amount. You know, uh, at least half of, let's say, half to two thirds of what it would take to balance the trade deficit. So, so many economists would agree. Obvious thing: get the dollar down. And there's there's several mechanisms for doing that. Uh, probably all acceptable with the World Trade Organization. So, so we, we are. The second thing would be the skilled workforce. Now, Germany has wages as high as ours, and yet they have a huge trade surplus. And, uh, and, and it's clear to me that much of that is due to the fact that they 60% of their kids go into apprenticeships, and, and in the U.S., maybe 4%. 
And here they're mostly in construction, almost none in manufacturing. So if we if we had really smart kids who, who here would obviously go on to university, but instead we're becoming tool makers, welders, you know, precision machinists, chemical technicians, whatever, you, you know, they'd be better off because they'd be making more money and the country would be better off because we'd have the the skills and the capacity to resolve to both to be competitive and to produce the additional output that results from being competitive. So uh, dollar, uh, skilled workforce, get the skilled workforce you need. You need much better basic education. We're pretty far down the list. China's number one in reading, uh, math, and uh, science. And we're way down the list. So they're working for a third or fourth as much as we are. And they're much better educated and better trained than we are. Now, how, how are you going to win that race? Not, not very likely. Corporate tax rates hit, were way too high. Now they're about average. And yet the government wants to raise them. That's not a good idea. Regulations. We should have a value added tax of VAT. Typical VAT rates are about 15%. So prices can go up. So you have to adjust other taxes accordingly to be equitable. But the, the net result is when another country ships up stuff to us today, we do not apply a VAT tax to it. And they get a, the company gets a credit over there for what they ship us. When we ship things to them, our company does not get a, a credit because we don't have a VAT tax, but the VAT tax gets charged when it goes into their country. So huge differential just due to not having a VAT. Uh, our our healthcare costs are 50% higher than most countries, Germany, places like that. If you, if you got our healthcare costs down to Germany, where they have just as good healthcare, then that premium, that extra medical cost would come out of our benefits, which reduce our labor costs, which would make manufacturing, you know, a couple of points more competitive. And, and just to put that in perspective, we calculate that every 1% reduction in our selling price relative to the competition will bring back 100,000 manufacturing jobs. So when we talk about, well, that's only a percent, but it's 100,000 jobs on average. That's, that's, if you're one of those 100,000, you'd say, yeah, that's, that's important. And I think just that the, for, for decades, there has not been a concern about the trade deficit. If that's what the market says it should work out to, well, then let it be. And, and that'd be fine if, if, if the dollar were determined by the trade deficit, how it used to be, but now it's determined by these trillions of dollars you know, sloshing around into the U.S. So a lot the government can do. Hey, what actionable advice can you give OEMs or other manufacturers along the supply chain about how to start exploring reshoring options? Yeah, I think what you just said then is important. You know, if I'm at a company and say, Harry, what should we do? I don't say, I don't pound the table and say, bring it all back. You know, I don't, I don't even say bring back 20% of it. I, I say, reevaluate. You know, look, look at what you're importing now. Now we're talking about the, the buying decision. Look at what you're importing now and look for the parts or the products that are causing pain where there's uh, late deliveries, too much inventory, quality issues, intellectual property risk, a lot of travel, people going to the supplier to work out issues all the time, people staying up till midnight to make telephone calls right? because of the time zone differences. And any of these kinds of issues identify a few of those parts 
because in each each of those cases, there's going to be a champion in the company, the guy who's doing the travel and doesn't want to travel, the, the midnight telephone caller, the you know, the, the service department that has the warranty experience. There'll be a champion there to pro help provide the information to quantify what those risks and losses have been so that when you get to doing the actual calculation, it's not poor Harry there trying to fill out the form. You, you've got people inside who are credible and have experienced the pain. So, so look, look, look for pain and, and, and tell them, I'm not here to help you reshore. I'm here to eliminate pain. I'm here to, to make life better in the company kind of thing. And so do that, pick three, four parts, and, and hopefully one or two of them will turn out favorable and, and implement those and then, and then look for more. So we don't say turn everything over you know, today. We say get the process started, do the reevaluation, and then over some months or years, uh, bring back what makes sense. That's good advice. Harry, is what did I not ask you about here that you think is important to communicate around this topic of reshoring? Specifically, I mentioned our, our TCO estimator. Now, again, it's free online. Anybody use it to buy smarter or sell smarter. Specifically, uh, we can help companies like companies that are buying and they're, they're not sure how to get started. They can retain us to come out and help them. They, they don't, shouldn't need us, but they can do that. In terms of the selling smarter, we have a program called the Import Substitution Program. So a company can sign up for that, and this, this we charge for, and they identify a product. Let's say they say, I'm really good at making widgets. Here's a widget. And we tell, tell them who the biggest importers of widgets are, what tonnage they're bringing in, whom they're buying them from offshore, roughly what they're paying for it, and then we train our, our company to use TCO to make the case to the importer that the importer will be more profitable. To, you know, to not to, right now, the tendency is you walk in, you see that importer, if you happen to find them, because they don't even know who a lot of them are. But if you happen to walk in, do you need any widgets next year? Well, China was sort of sloppy during the crisis, but now they're okay. If we have a, have a, you know, a shortage, we'll call you. you know? Instead, you walk in and say, "I know, I know. You're buying a lot. You're buying 50 tons of widgets. We've got this new multitasking machine for making widgets. We've done the cost analysis. Labor is only 10% of our cost, so our price can't be more than 10, 15% higher than what you're paying FOB in China or India. And we've, we've calculated all the hidden costs, and there's 20 points of cost there." we're convinced you're going to be 10 points better off buying from us than continuing to import. And you're going to bring jobs back to your company and to your suppliers and your community. And you're going to improve the environment and income equality in the United States and help with the budget deficit. So, so there's got to be somewhere here that our two companies can make this work out for the betterment of most, betterment of both of us. And then once we do that, We'll let Harry know about it, and and he'll write a great article about us, and we'll all be famous for what we've done. So so let's 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 get going on this. <laughs> so import substitution TCO import substitution program help companies make better buying decisions, and then we also have something called the uh, supply chain gap program. So uh, we've identified supply chain gaps, which are where there's a lot being imported, say 100 million or more a year dollars. 
and nothing or almost nothing being made here. Think, think uh, two years ago, masks, gowns, gloves, ventilators, penicillin, stuff, all this stuff has become fair. So we, we've created a list of hundreds or thousands of, of items that fit those criteria. And uh, so for, for a state, you know, New York, Wisconsin, whatever, we can start with that national list and then narrow it down to products that are heavily imported into the state or neighboring states that are heavily imported by the leading companies in the state, okay, uh, the ones that are in industries that the state would like to attract. Now we're down to maybe a list of 20 or 30 products. And then we can we tell the state who the biggest foreign suppliers are, the companies that are actually shipping the product in. And then the state goes to those companies offshore, starts with whichever one, maybe number two, whatever, and says, why don't you uh, put a factory right here in Ohio? Because we've got all these companies nearby, nobody around here making it, almost nobody making it in the States. You've got 10% of the market now. If you were the only company making it in the US, you'd probably have 20 or 30% of the market. And if you don't do that, I'm going down the street to your competitor, and I'm gonna get them to do it, and they'll kick your ass out of the market. So come on, let's get going and do what's right for both of us. <laughs> That's a, it's really a, a powerful tool, though. I mean, well, any, anybody there, if you're if you work for the state, give me a call or email or or talk to the people you know in economic development in your state or or big city, and you know we're here we're here to help. You know, I've got this mission of five million jobs to bring back, and and uh, you know they're coming back right now at the rate of 150, 200,000 a year, and it's going to take years. So I, I need your help in accelerating the trend. Well, that's a great mission. Harry, is there anything you want to say to put a bow on this conversation? <laughs> first, uh, first, Joe, I, I've, uh, I've, I'm honored you know, that you, you have me here. And, uh, and to all the listeners, we can help. You know, we, we can help you buy smarter. We can help you sell smarter. But I can only do it if you, if you contact me. And so the uh, URL is www.reshorenow.org. I'm Harry Moser. You can find how to reach me at the website. And uh, I look forward to hearing from you and making you know, your company more successful and the, your state and, and our country a better place to live. Beautiful. Well, Harry, this was a great conversation. I really appreciate you doing this today. Thank you, Joe. And as for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of The Manufacturing Executive. You've been listening to The Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about industrial marketing and sales strategy, you'll find an ever-expanding collection of articles, videos, guides, and tools specifically for B2B manufacturers at gorilla76.com learn. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.